What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Anyway, John chapter 16, starting in verse 5, Jesus says, this is his words, red letters, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is better for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, speaking of Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. And the world's sin is that it refused to believe in me. I, kind of, I love that right there. It's so simple. Sometimes we think of sin because we, we create categories, right? You ever done that? And you're like, well, you kind of got the big nasties. You want to kind of avoid those, and there it's on a list. And then you kind of got the little mid-range sins that, you know, it's not maybe that bad, but, you know, probably shouldn't do that either. And then we got this other list over here. It's like, you know, I don't know. I think you're probably good if you can get away with these things. We, we make everything into a list. But really, at the end of the day, sin is just what you do as a result of refusing to believe in Christ. And I actually think that's kind of cool. I don't think that's condemning at all. I think that actually brings a little bit of relief. How do I know if I'm missing the mark? Because it's what I am doing, a refusal to believe in who Christ is, also inside of me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There's more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. And when the spirit of truth comes, again, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. I love that. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. So, Father, I just pray in the minutes and the moments that we have together today, I'm asking, Lord, for you to open our hearts, open our minds, Father, no matter where we are in this journey, whether we are devoted, passionate Jesus followers, or whether those that are here today, that they're, they're not there yet and they're not sure if they believe, they're not sure if this is even real. Father, we just thank you that you are coming through for all of us today. And by your love and by your grace, not by religion and not by rules, but by your love and grace and relationship, you are presenting yourself to us today to see amazing things happen. So we just ask in the name of Jesus, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about uh, Holy Spirit specifically, but I kind of brought it to you in the context of of this two-word statement, send it. And, uh, and, and not trying to sound too old, but something that the kids like to say today, that just makes me old right there, uh, but something that the kids like to say today, you know, is, is, is send it. And maybe you'll, you'll see it on, on social media, on some of the crazy accounts where people are doing really dumb stuff to get hurt, that somebody's filming, and the person who's filming is not getting hurt, but sometimes you hear them say, send it. You know, send it just means you're going to do something without even thinking about it, right? You're just, just going to do it. Don't even think twice about it. Just, just go for it. And sometimes that can work out well. Sometimes it doesn't work out so well. You know, ever, anyone ever been in one of those moments where you just kind of went for something, you felt it, you were feeling good, and it didn't quite work out the way that you anticipated? And uh, even in our relationship with God, it is the same way. There are things 
that God would love us to do where we just need to send it where we just need to go for it. It's not about our strength. It's not about our ability. It's not even about our own confidence uh, or, or whether, you know, what we think people are gonna uh, think of us, whether we succeed or not. Sometimes you just gotta go for it and realize that if God has put it on your heart to do, that kind of puts the pressure on him to come through. Not even yourself, but it puts the pressure on him. All I'm doing is being obedient. Honestly, when it comes to being in worship and I start feel like the, I feel like the Lord has given me specific things to pray for, can I be honest with you? I have moments where I'm like, I'm, I'm doing that. Nobody's going to raise their hand for that, Lord. Are you crazy? And then the Holy Spirit says, send it. And then you just got to go for it because it's not about me. I think when it comes to a relationship with God, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that we can walk away from is realizing it's not about me. It's not about whether I'm able to accomplish this or not. It's about, okay, if the Lord is putting this on my heart, if it's in his word, if it's something that is accurate with his character, then it's on him. It's not on me. I'm going to go for it. But then there are times when we, when we try to step out of what God is leading us to do. And we kind of get to a point, I've done this in my own life, where you are, you are following the Lord. You love Jesus. He's done such amazing things in your life. And then you get to a point where you feel super comfortable and super confident, and it's almost as if you're telling God, okay, thank you for getting me to this point, but I got it from here. And then you go to send it, right? And then, boom, just falls flat on your face. And you're like, man, where was God? Well, he, he, never, he didn't tell you to do that. Or the things that he doesn't tell us to do, but it makes us feel better if we put his name on it. So we say, well, God told me. I was like, did he? We're like, I don't know, but it just sounds better if I say that. No, it's, we want to make sure that the things that we are going for, the things where we're going to send it are the things that are being prompted by God. Things that, and you're like, well, man, oh, my gosh, I don't know, how, how do you hear? It's like, listen, let's make it super simple. God speaks through his word. God speaks through his Holy Spirit. And the two will never contradict each other. So if you don't know the word, then you're going to have a hard time deciphering what God is speaking to you. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you read something in the Word that's like, that's actually the opposite of what, of what I thought God was telling me, stick with the Word because the Word is God, right? Come on. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. This is Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Everything was created through him. Nothing was created except through him. The Word is still alive and active and speaking to us today. So if it says something in the Word and you feel something inside of you is contradicting that, that's not God. That's actually something you need to surrender to the Lord. That's something that you need to give up. And so we began uh, the last, couple, last week specifically talking about verse 8 because Jesus told these disciples, individuals that he had walked with day and night for three and a half years. He talked with them. He showed them. He led them. He discipled them. He, he ministered to them. He showed them how to do stuff. They got to watch him do crazy miracles and signs and wonders for three and a half years. And then Jesus has the guts to say, it's better if I go away. Now, if I'm them, I'm, I'm, I've got an argument with Jesus. Anyone ever had an argument with Jesus before? You need to know it's okay to have an argument with Jesus. Just be open. Because most of the time he's right. No, I'm just saying, all the time. But, but there, you got to think, like, how would it possibly be better, Jesus, if you were not with us? Because I can see you. I can, I can smell you. I can touch you. I can watch you. I can listen. You can hear me. I can hear you. How would it be better if you went away and sent us your spirit. We have 
You know what's great about the Bible is that, you know, you can read something and you get to like skip ahead a few chapters and be like, I know what happens next. These guys didn't have that. They had no idea what was happening next. They were living this real time. They also had no context. Well, we can go to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, and we can read about what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the, on the early Jesus followers and the church was started. Like, we get to read that. And we're like, yeah, we know what happens. But these guys had no context to understand what Jesus was, was talking about when he said, I'm going to go away, and you're not even asking me where I'm going, but I'm going to go away, and it's better because I'm going to send you the advocate. I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you my spirit to be in all of you. Now, if, somebody, if this would never happen before and you didn't have the Bible and Jesus told you that, like, what would you think? You'd be like, what are you, Jesus, you've been, you know, you've been smoking something. I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about here. This is not making sense at all. What in the world are you doing? No, they had no context. So when you don't know what's going to happen, what do you have to do? Man, you just got to trust God. You just got to trust God. You got to take a step of faith. And so these guys had to take, take a step of faith. They had to respond to what the Lord was speaking to them in that moment. So they didn't understand. They didn't have the New Testament to teach what the Holy Spirit was all about. They couldn't read all the things that were going to happen. They didn't know of the miracles and the signs and wonders that were about to happen. All they knew is that Jesus said, I'm going to send it and you need it. I wonder sometimes if we could simplify our relationship with God down to that. Like, I don't, know, I don't know if I have this other stuff figured out, but all I do know is that God says I need it and, and I want it. If, if I'm t- I can't tell you how powerful it would be if you would read God's word and see what it says about what he says you need. And instead of us trying to make sense of it and debate it, and be like, well, I don't know about, I've been in church my whole life, and I've seen this church do it that way, and I've seen that church do it that way, and, and I've seen people mess it up, and I've seen people who were supposed to be good at it. And, you know, we, 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 we filter everything through, through humanity instead of stepping and taking God at his word by faith. And so because when we begin to filter everything through our experiences, we begin to limit and diminish the reality of who God is in our life. Because instead of having the pure Jesus inside of us and the spirit of God inside of us, what turns out to be what we thought was Jesus ends up being a filtered, watered-down version of what we're comfortable with, what we haven't been hurt by or what we have been hurt by. You know, the church did this, the church did that. I can also say this. I hear that all the time, like, you know, social media around the world. The church, did, the church didn't do it to you. A person did. A person, a person hurt you. A person disappointed you. And maybe it was a person who had position and authority, but nonetheless, it was a person. The church is the bride of Christ. And the church is flawed. Why? Well, because you're in it. And me. I kind of messed it up too. We're in it, so we bring our humanity into what is supposed to be the beautiful, spotless bride of Christ. So how does it become the beautiful, spotless bride of Christ? By us surrendering to the Spirit of God. And this kind of... Thank, thank you, Jesus, for connecting that. So this is where it goes, into verse, into verse 8. What does the Spirit of God come to do? Last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sin, to convict us of our sin. We talked about how this word conviction doesn't just mean like uh, he's coming to hit you with the gavel. He's coming to tell you how messed up you are. He wants you to feel condemned for what you've done. No, that's not, that's not what this is. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is actually something that is beautiful. The conviction of the Holy Spirit actually comes to save your life. I'm grateful for a God who cares enough about me that he wants to save my life. 
that he sees me headed off of a cliff. And because he loves me so much, he's willing to do something to grab hold of me and get my attention so that he can turn me around and point me in a direction where I can actually walk in life instead of walk in death. Because sin leads to death, the gift of God leads to eternal life, and it leads to freedom. So the Holy Spirit comes to bring a conviction, but here's something that you need to know about how God operates. God always comes to convict you forward. He never is trying to get you just simply to stop. The moment that we make the conviction of the Holy Spirit inside of us only be about stop sinning, and then there's no movement past that, that's when it slowly but surely begins to creep into the realm of religion instead of relationship. Because God doesn't want you to not sin simply so that you'll stop sinning. He's not up in heaven with the bull whip or the baseball bat just willing to crack you over the head, be like, ah, 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 you're sinning again. Stop it. Stop, stop doing that. And then leaves you alone. No, the reason why he wants you to stop doing the things that are not gonna produce the life of God in you is so he can lead you in a direction that will produce the life of God in you. So if he is trying to get us to walk away from what sin is, it's not simply to stop sinning, but it is so that we can begin to walk in the life of God. So the conviction of the Holy Spirit is always not just to make you stop doing the wrong stuff, which right now, and it's actually not right now, it's always been, but it's so much in our world right now where the argument is you can't tell me what I'm doing is sin. I'm talking about in the church. Forget the rest of the world. The rest of the world isn't following Jesus, so why would they be convicted of their sin? I'm talking about in the church. You can't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Well, I'm, I'm not. God's word is, the Holy Spirit is. You don't have to respond to me, but when you choose to reject responding to the Holy Spirit, there's a problem. Because eventually, the Holy Spirit will stop pounding on your chest and telling you what you were doing is wrong. He will give you over to what you are choosing to follow. If you don't believe me, read Romans chapter 1. Read Romans chapter 1 and get ready for a punch in the face, but also make sure you read Romans chapter 2 at the same time. <laughs> Romans chapter 1 kind of makes you feel like, yeah, that's right, you bunch of dirty. Mm. Romans chapter 2 says, hey, that's you. You're like, oh, okay. It's like you want to condemn all these individuals who you've put on a list of the big nasties, but guess what? You're on the list. So it puts us all in that same boat. So the Holy Spirit comes to clean house inside of us so that we can stop living for ourselves and just have a little badge that says Jesus. And then we feel good about ourselves because I went to church, I prayed a prayer, I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. So the rest of this life is just about me doing me and hopefully God blesses that. No, God's like, no, I, I didn't create you just to be saved, get through life and get to heaven. I created you with purpose. I created you with intentionality. I knew you by name before you were even a thought in your mother's womb. You need to know God values life. God values life because life contains purpose. And the purpose that God puts inside of us is something that can only be unlocked through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the more that we reject that, we're actually rejecting the opportunity to walk in our identity. And the more that we embrace it, we, we step into a daily journey, a beautiful daily journey of becoming who God says you can be, regardless of what anybody else says. I think, actually right now, I think there's somebody that 
you have, you have been struggling your whole relationship with God. I think this is someone you've been walking with the Lord for years. Because every time you hear something in the word talk about who God says you are, you have a thousand voices in your head that tell you what you're not. And I think God is here today to replace those voices. The voice that whether it was your, your father who said, you're never going to be this, you're never going to be that, or you're always going to be this. Your great-grandfather was that way. Your grandfather was that way. I'm that way. And guess what? You're going to do the exact same thing. God comes here today to say, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I cancel that word, and I'm going to replace it with truth. You have to cancel what is a lie before the Lord. But you can't just cancel it. It's kind of like being convicted of sin. You can't just be convicted of sin and be like, man, gosh, you're right, God. This is terrible. You know, I shouldn't have this in my life. So thanks, thanks for that, you know. I'll try not to do that anymore. I don't want to get grounded, you know. You walk on. No, you have to replace it. You can't just remove the sin. You have to replace it with something else. I'm not off the top of my head. I'm not going to get the reference correct, but there is a, an element in Scripture where Jesus is talking about removing the evil spirits that may be inside of us. And again, don't, don't get weird about demon possession. That's not exactly what this is talking about. But, it, but he says that when you, when you remove what is not supposed to be there, if you don't replace it with what is supposed to be there, what wasn't supposed to be there is coming back and it's bringing friends. And it's going to be a house party of sin that replaces what you thought you got rid of before. And it's going to destroy you. But God says, listen, my spirit didn't come just to live inside your spirit. My Holy Spirit has come to fill your spirit, your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your flesh, your body, your whole being. We get, we get sometimes even those who believe in the Holy Spirit, man, we lock up the Holy Spirit like it's a prison inside of us. And God would say, let my spirit free inside of you. The conviction of the Holy Spirit should always move you forward. And if you find the conviction of the Holy Spirit pounding you down and beating you down and you feel guilty all the time, you feel condemned all the time, I would say that's not the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's the condemnation of the enemy. Because anything that God wants to do that's going to give you life, the enemy wants to run right in behind him and suck the life out of it. So God says, hey, what you're doing is sin. What you're doing, your mindset needs to change. Your lifestyle needs to change. It's sin. It's not what I created you for. It's not how I created you. I have a best for you. So follow me so that I can lead you in those things. And the enemy wants to come right behind and be like, that's right. And, you, and the reason why you need this is because you'll never be who God says you could be. You're not good enough. And then you get stuck in that. That's called condemnation, and that's not God. God does not come to beat you up. He comes to set you free. Scripture says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Not condemned indeed, you are free indeed. Sin is slavery. And Jesus came, took on the form of a slave. This is Philippians chapter 2. Jesus left his divine privileges in heaven, took on the form of a human, took on the form of a slave, it says in Scripture. And he's the one that when he went to the cross, he paid the penalty for your freedom. So if Jesus paid the price for our freedom, then why are we continually trying to pay the price ourselves? We need to walk in the freedom that comes from a relationship with Christ. And when you find yourself returning to the same struggles and temptations and sins that once held you captive before, it's not because God is not present. 
It's because we have refused to accept the freedom that comes in Jesus. And I'll tell you, one of the best scriptural examples of how this whole process happens is when you look at the nation of Israel, when they were in Egypt for 400 years of slavery, 400 years of slavery, and God sent Moses. Moses was, if, if you will, he was a type of Christ in this moment. Moses came as, as a servant of the Lord, but he came to lead Israel out of slavery, which is what Jesus did for us when he went to the cross. He went to the cross to lead us out of slavery. And Moses was used by God to lead Israel out of slavery, out of what we would call sin. It wasn't necessarily their sin that put them there, but sin is slavery. And God wants us out of the slavery. What the picture you need to realize of what God did with Israel in the, in the Old Testament is the same thing he wants to do. He loved Israel so much Regardless of the fact that they had rejected him for generations, turned their back on God, they had pursued other gods, they had intermarried with other, other religions, they had done things that, that God had commanded them not to do. And even though they had completely turned on God, his love and his grace still saw them through eyes of love. And he goes, I love you so much, not because of what you did, not because of who you are, not because of whether you earned it or not, but simply because it's who I am. And you are my children, and regardless of whether you think you deserve it or not, I'm going to set you free. And he led them out of slavery, had to take them through a season of wilderness, because everyone was like, I don't want, you know, wilderness, that doesn't sound like fun. They complained a lot. They grumbled a lot. God, where are you? God, where are you? I remember where they, like, God, I think it was actually better. We were better off when we were in slavery. God is taking you as you repent of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you repent of the things that have held you back. I'm being very generic because everybody deals with different stuff. It's not my job to stand up here and call out what it is in your life. The Holy Spirit can do that. That's another thing about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's not the church's job to be the Holy Spirit. It's the church's job to teach the Holy Spirit it's the church's job to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the church's job to love people. And when we do that, it actually creates an environment where people can come and they're not going to be judged. Even if, even if you're living in, in a lifestyle that is completely opposed to the word of God, guess what? We're going to love you. And we also love you so much, we're going to tell you about God. We're going to tell you about how much he loves you. We're going to tell you about the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit knows how to do his job. Is that good? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The moment that we take over the Holy Spirit's job, two things happen. One, we are saying we are as good as the Holy Spirit and don't even need him in our life. I have perfected myself so much that now I can begin to speak on God's behalf and he can go on vacation. No, but that, and that doesn't work because what we bring into it, we are, we are incapable of bringing into conviction what the Holy Spirit is capable of bringing. So what we bring into it is we do bring judgment. We do bring, we don't understand God's process and journey with another individual. And so all of a sudden we're, we think, well, you should be free from this, like probably two and a half, three weeks, maybe max. But what if it takes two and a half, three years? What if it takes decades? What if God might know what he's doing? And he loves somebody so much that even though what we want to see happen in somebody's life is instantaneous, we want a microwave Holy Spirit encounter and then we want you to never, ever mess up ever again. Well, that's not real. I mean, come on. That's not God. That's not God. If that was the case, altar calls would look like this. Who here wants to say yes to Jesus? Okay, yes, you prayed that prayer. Fantastic. Boom, you're raptured up to heaven. Done. 
Like, well, let's get you out of here quick before you even have a second to have a human thought. Because in that second of human thought, you're probably going to miss the mark again. You know, that's not how it works. We are called to trust and rely on the Holy Spirit inside of us and realize that the conviction of the Holy Spirit that freed us from what was enslaving us now wants to convict us for what God wants to do through us. Conviction never goes away. It leads you forward. Just like conviction that God put in Moses led Israel out of slavery through 40 years in the wilderness, but ultimately into the promised land. There is a promised land where God's trying to lead you in your relationship with him, but you gotta trust him, and you gotta let him do work. You gotta let him touch some of those areas in your heart that nobody else knows about. You know, you gotta let God get to the areas where you've built up walls and made excuses, and well, I went to this church and they heard me, so as a result of that, I'm never gonna let anybody, and we start saying nevers and always, and we start throwing in these judgment words unintentionally because we're actually trying to pad and protect ourselves because we've been hurt. We have to be willing to say, okay, maybe it's going to take me a minute to let people in. And that's okay, but God, I'm going to let you in. And the Holy Spirit says, it's okay. I'm not coming in to hurt you. I'm coming in to help you. I'm coming in to set you free. Some, some, some theologians say that the, that the reason, other than kind of rebellion and sin, that it took 40 years for Israel to get from slavery to the promised land was because they had 400 years of being programmed into living like slaves. And God had to, through a process, reintroduce himself. And it actually took multiple generations. Like one generation, they couldn't handle it, and God raised up another generation that would respond to this new reality of who God was. I can't imagine having to live life in that context, believing that the Yahweh, that God was real, yet still realizing my reality is slavery. But God had to take them out and through a process of reintroducing himself to who he was as a good father, as a loving father who loved them, who called them, who would provide for them, regardless of how much they complained and regardless of how much they grumbled and regardless of how much Moses turned his head for one second and boom, they made a golden calf and worshiped it. You know, it's like, whoa, that escalated super quick. And it's like, no, God kept coming back. He kept coming back. And the ultimate picture of that love and grace of God is the work of Jesus. Jesus going to the cross. And even what we read in chapter 16, um, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. This is like a couple of days before, give or take. And he wanted to make sure, okay, guys, I've been with you three and a half years. Some stuff's about to go down. But I want to let you know it's going to be okay. I have to go away, but I'm going to send you the advocate who's going to do a work inside of you that, 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 that I couldn't do in the flesh. And the Holy Spirit begins to do something in us that becomes contagious. And I love how when you really begin to experience freedom that comes from the Holy Spirit, and not just stay in that place of I'm convicted of my sin, gosh, I'm, I did it again, sorry, God, I'm guilty, convicted of sin, oh, I did it again. No, and we allow the Holy Spirit to actually move us into a new direction. All of a sudden, what God is doing in you becomes uh, becomes contagious for people around you because you are now walking in a life. It's okay that they knew who you were. And some people want to keep you where you were. That's okay. You know why? Because they're people. So are you. And it's okay. But as long as we continue to understand God's taking us into a new place of freedom in him, not freedom to do whatever we want to do, 
It's, it's, a, it's a new freedom where we are allowing God to be free through us. And so when we begin to walk that out when you go to work, you know, maybe, you, maybe you're in a job where you've hated it. You're like, God, why would you give me this job? I hate this job. I'm so tired of this job. And he's like, well, this is actually part of a provision, but it might not even be your provision. What if you being in the job that you have that you hate is actually a provision for somebody else? Because God put you in their path, and God is putting you in their day every single day. And you've been taking that light, and you've been saying, well, this is just a personal relationship with God. And God's like, actually, I want you to go public. Because the reason I put you in that dead-end job that you can't stand with that supervisor that you have, you have, you have thoughts about <laughs> is because I'm trying to get you to be a light to the person. You know, honestly, there, there. Oh, come on, this is getting there. Uh, somebody here, you have, you have dreams for business. You have dreams. You have aspirations for promotion. You even qualify. You have checked every box to advance, and you just can't advance in the things that you want to do. And I'm telling you, this is why. Your promotion is being withheld because you're in a place where the promotion would take you away from. But you are where you are because God placed you there to witness to somebody that you're working with. I don't know who that is. But listen. Who, go to work tomorrow with your head up. Be like, okay, maybe the job isn't changing, but I am. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking to my supervisor with a little bit more respect. I'm going to start smiling a little bit more to my coworkers. And when I start getting them sweaty palms and that feeling in my stomach when somebody's talking about how bad their life is and how whatever's going on, all of a sudden I've got an opportunity to, to take the basket off of my light and let the Holy Spirit who convicted me from my sin now put a conviction in me to make sure somebody else knows about this hope that I have. I'm going to stop right there. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 you want me to stop, Herm. Pretty soon the stomach growling will get louder than the preaching, and, you know, we know how that works. No, it's, it's good. God's good. Listen, we, um, we don't, we're, we're never going to fully grasp everything that the Holy Spirit is, and, you know, because he's God. The Holy Spirit is God. And so that doesn't mean that we stop short of, of embracing who the Holy Spirit is based on what we're comfortable with. And I think that so much of that has happened in the church in America. And, and, I, and I speak that graciously, not as a judgment, again, or a condemnation, but I speak that as, as an observation that I've even been guilty of. There's been, you know, you plant a church, and the whole goal is, like, we're here not to attract Christian people from other churches. We're here to be, to be a light to those that don't know Jesus in our region. And so sometimes you're like, you know, people are going to come in, and what if you start talking about weird stuff, right? It's like, what's weird stuff? Well, honestly, it's most of what's in the Bible. <laughs> You're like, okay, so we got to water it down. We got to make it entertaining. We got to make sure it's palatable. We got to make sure we don't offend nobody. We got to make sure we're attracting the right. Listen, if 2020 taught me anything, it's that whatever you attract to keep, you will have to entertain. And the church was never called to entertain people to grow the kingdom of God. The church was called to speak truth, to love. Not truth and love like I'm just going to smack you because and, and, that's truth and that's because I love you. No, like love, like God's love. What did God's love do? God's love got Jesus on the cross. When he could have called the smackdown, because he was God. When everybody was going, was walling out on Jesus, he had the authority to call down angels from heaven and just take everything out. Love says he held his tongue and he went to the cross. And so as a church, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we have a responsibility, we have a job to do, and that is to make sure that we are learning more and more of who the Holy Spirit is and that we are uh, embracing the process of walking out on a daily basis what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God.
And I'm telling you, for a lot of you, it's gonna be different than what you think it is, and it's gonna be a lot more uncomfortable than you hope it is. But when you step into it and with a heart and an attitude of faith, it, tra it transforms everything, it transforms everything. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.